Four years ago, I remember being at New Creation Church in Singapore, where I heard a sermon about Rahab and how the Lord saved her and her entire family from destruction because she hid the spies from Israel before they went into Jericho. The pastor was saying how the scarlet cord she used to let down the spies through her window symbolized the blood of the new covenant with which Jesus reconciled us to God and saved us. And when I heard it, I started sobbing. All at once, I realized how gracious God was to me to bring me from China to the U.S. and then all the way to Singapore where he would truly save me. Everything that had to have happened for me to be at that church on that day at that specific time was orchestrated so well by the hand of God. And in the moment, I just understood what grace was. I didn't deserve to be saved, but yet here I was sitting in the church pews understanding that God had chose me to save me out of my whole entire family who weren't believers. For the next two weeks, I would pray fervently for God to save my family because no one else except me was Christian. And every time I prayed, I would cry uncontrollably because I couldn't imagine my family not knowing Jesus and being separated from God for all of eternity. And because I had no control over whether or not they would ever be saved. And I was so in awe that God chose to save me out of a family who didn't believe in Jesus. I share this story because God was reminding me this week to keep praying for them, even though it's been four years since I was truly saved. And some of you out there might be wondering the same thing. Is God going to save my mom and dad and the rest of my family? Their hearts seem so hardened and unchanging. How long must I pray before you save them, God? Dear younger me, it's not easy being the only Christian in your family, but it's a privilege to be able to pray for them and God loves them and wants them to be saved even more than you do. So the advice I give you is to keep praying for them because God hears your prayers. Hey everyone, my name is Jamie and welcome to Dear Younger Me. This podcast is dedicated to giving advice to my younger self in hopes that it will also help other people who might be going through similar things. I will be talking about everything ranging from how to not be shy in elementary school, how to figure out my career path in high school, how to build genuine friendships with people after college, all the way to how to navigate my own Christian faith. I just hope that this podcast can be me being an older sister, giving helpful advice to all the young people, and maybe even older people out there. In this episode, I will be encouraging you to pray for your families and to keep praying for them to be saved. First, I want to encourage you with truth from the Bible about the kind of heart that God has towards us. Psalm 145, 8 writes, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Jonah 4.11 says, And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? In this story, God relented of the disaster that he said he would bring upon the Ninevites for all their evil. He was going to destroy the city because of all the sin that the Ninevites were committing. But before he did that, he tells Jonah to warn them. He was essentially giving them one last chance. And I don't know how long it took Jonah to actually get to the city of Nineveh, but that time was also time for them to repent. So God is gracious and he wants to give us time in order to believe him. And we can see that God doesn't want to kill them. Even Jonah admits that God is a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Joshua 6, to 25 
But to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, Go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belong to her, as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and everything in it. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and of iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. But Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day, because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Rahab was a prostitute who lived in the city of Jericho at the time when Israel was going to conquer it, because God had given it to them. But she feared the Lord and confessed that the Lord God is God in the heavens and on the earth below. So she risked her life by hiding the spies and lying to the king. And because of her act of kindness, God kept her and her whole entire family safe. And from her line of descendants came Jesus, the Savior of the world. Although Rahab's family didn't do anything that the Bible mentions, God was still faithful and merciful to the rest of her family members, all because of one thing that Rahab did and her fear of the Lord. From this story, we can learn that God remembers us and takes care of our family members because he is a faithful God. James 5, 13-18 Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. I love how it says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, meaning that he was just like us, a human, not just a super spiritual man. This means that we can also pray fervently like him and have God hear and answer our prayers. It's not that Elijah has a title that we don't. I mean, we're all children of God, and we have access to the same God and the same kind of power from the Holy Spirit as well. This passage means to encourage us because praying can heal the sick. It can petition to God to forgive sins, and it works. Praying isn't just lobbying up our requests to a God in the sky. It's bringing everything we have at Jesus' feet and being honest with God and communicating with our Heavenly Father. Whenever you pray, God is listening. And if you pray for your family over and over again, I'm sure he's going to get the hint that you care about them and want them saved. And we are all made righteous because of Jesus, so your prayers have great power. Exodus 25, 6 You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. This passage reminds me that God knows everything and he remembers everything. He will remember all the sacrifices you've made for him, all the prayers that you've said. Just like how Jesus says, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. 
He knows when you sacrifice and love in his name, and he blesses not just you, but also your family to the nth generation with his steadfast love. And it's interesting because if we contrast it with the iniquity he brings to those who hate him, it only goes to the third or fourth generation. So God doesn't want to remember iniquities nearly as much as he wants to remember our faithfulness in him. And although it's really easy to overlook how much God wants you and your family saved, it still happens. God is still saving families. And I want to give you a story of encouragement by sharing the story of how Jesus saved my grandpa. My grandpa wasn't always a happy man. He used to be a really bitter and angry man who always had a scowl on his face. He would yell at my grandma all the time and tell of stories of how he's been wronged. There was a hardness to him, and he kept everything to himself. In the summer of 2019, my grandfather had massive sciatica nerve pain that ran from his lower back all the way down his right leg. He couldn't walk or sit without pain. He looked so miserable, and sometimes I hear him cry out in the middle of the night, unable to sleep. But in the midst of the pain, Jesus did something in his heart. I would take him to doctor's appointments and surgeries and pray for his healing. And I don't know exactly what happened, but I think because my grandpa was so desperate, he was willing to have any kind of help, including God's help. So he would let me pray for him, and he would close his eyes too. I would pray for healing, but most importantly, for his heart to soften and to accept Jesus into his heart. And day by day, slowly, his demeanor started changing without me even noticing. And one day, when we asked him if he believed in Jesus and his resurrection from the dead, he said yes. And then in April of 2020, in the middle of lockdown, I felt led to pray for my grandfather over the phone. As I started praying, I was overwhelmed with emotion and I started bawling because I could feel the Holy Spirit's presence and his love for my grandpa. I couldn't even finish my sentences because I was crying so much and all of my words were so broken. And although God is the only one who really knows where our hearts are, I believe he has really saved him. Ezekiel 36.26 says, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And that's exactly what I saw happen to my grandpa. Every time I see him now, there's a smile on his face. He asks if I've eaten yet. And when I tell him I love him, he gets really shy and looks away. And he waits for me when I wave him goodbye. He radiates peace and gentleness when I see him. Something I would have never seen before God saved him. Everyone, God really changes hearts. The Bible talks about how a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, but the sign is that Jesus rose from the dead and carried our sins on the cross. And I wonder if we're not even seeing the miracles in front of our own eyes today. The fact that God changes hearts is already a miracle in itself, because human hearts are the hardest things to change. Our own human pride gets in the way of us seeing our need for a savior. But that's not the end. If you want to see your heart changed, if you want to be rid of lust, anger, jealousy, and just any bitterness, ask God to make the gospel personal to you. Ask him to give you faith to believe and to change your heart. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So, if you desire to have peace that surpasses all understanding and to have fullness of joy, ask today for God to save you. He is so good, you guys. He loves you so, so much, and he wants a relationship with you. 
and I hope that the story of God saving my grandfather is a testament to how slow and angry he is and how loving he is. My grandfather is 87 years old today, yet God is still working in him. Ask God today to show you his love and he will do it, I promise you. All right, that is all I have for you guys this week. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you guys next week.